about the white throne judgment and our friends and our neighbours. Lord, guys, before I um, remember, I'll do it. Before I talk, I just want to introduce you to my daughter, Belle. She's got a wee story to to say in the next minute or so. Minute. We'll keep it to a minute. Hello. Oh, okay. Hi. My name's Belle. Um, some of you remember me as Rebecca. I had a recent name change and a, a recent healing and deliverance of several demons that um, had taken over my life completely. And that's why I came to Ruwai to my home, my dad. And um, I've been healing up here for two weeks. And I want to thank especially Paul and Adelaide for welcoming me while I've been up here and for helping me heal. Um, I went through quite a traumatic experience. At the end of September, I was kidnapped for a few days and um, I escaped and I survived, but I've had a lot of memory issues and problems um, due to the trauma and um, I'm delivered and healed of all of that. And I just want to thank this whole community for making me feel so welcome. And um, I'm going to pass it over to my dad because he has an awesome message. (laughs) All right. Okay, let's go with number one. What is really interesting is that the subject, the judgment of God, some people think, oh no, that sounds a bit heavy, that sounds a bit awful. Well, if you're robbing banks and seducing women and living a life of hell, yeah, the judgment of God is going to be a pretty horrendous thing. But if you love the Lord and you're serving him, you don't end up in the great white throne judgment, which is at the end of the 1,000 years of Christ reigning on earth. Instead, you're invited to the judgment seat of Christ, which is called the Bema seat, where God gives rewards to those who serve him. So don't be fearful about this message, unless you're robbing banks and causing, causing lots of problems. Then I would be worried. But there's an answer answer to that too. Okay, so we're talking about the doctrine of eternal judgment. And I want to say that, quite make it quite clearly, that there is much deeper and better teaching than you'll hear this morning from Derek Prince and from Bill Sabritsky. You can download his book, Bill's book, Victory in Jesus. And all of what you're going to hear tonight comes from there, but with my understanding of it. What is interesting, that when I was in Gisborne nearly 20 years ago, the Lord told me to go for a walk. It was freezing cold. And I said, well, Lord, do I really have to? And he said, yes, I want action. So I took my children and uh, my dog, and off we went walking around Gisborne. And just as I was coming back, I heard the Lord say, I am calling you to preach and teach on the judgment of God. This is not a message of fire and brimstone, but a message of love and compassion. Now I knew that was God because I didn't have any compassion in my little finger. So it had to be God. And this is the first time I've spoken on the subject of judgment. There are six doctrines referred to in Hebrews 6 and we've been 
going over them in the past few months. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, this is Hebrews 6, 1 and 2, let us go on to perfection. Now that, what, that means that what we've been teaching over the past few months, we should already know unless we're a new Christian. But we need to move on to more important things of how to reach other people, how to love other people. But in the meantime, we've, we've been going over the foundations. And the first one is repentance from dead works. If we want to know Jesus Christ, we have to turn around and have faith in God. We have to put our sin behind us and head towards God. That's the first thing he causes, repentance. And then we talked about the doctrine of baptisms. If you've been born again of the Spirit of God, then God, the example in the New Testament is to get baptized in water by full immersion. Jesus did it, so why shouldn't we? I believe Jesus commands us to be baptized in water. Then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples, as you know, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a mighty, mighty way. Then Peter went out to the Gentiles and the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. Then wherever they went, they prayed for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit gives you power. Now the Holy Spirit already dwells in you when you're born again. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a second experience that's quite a remarkable experience. And it gives you power to witness. We talked about the laying on of hands. Is that That's a God-given doctrine of imparting healing and uh, wisdom when we pray for people. With them. We talked about the resurrection of the dead. And now we're going to talk about the last one And these are basic doctrines that we need to know as Christians, and that's eternal judgment. So last month I spoke on the resurrection of the dead, and at the conclusion I pointed out that when Christ returns for the second time, those believers who are still on earth will rise to meet Christ at his coming, and those that are already dead will come with Christ on his return. So if you died tomorrow and you love the Lord, you go to be with the Lord. When the Lord comes to reign, rule and reign for a thousand years, he comes, you'll come back with him. If you don't know Jesus Christ and you're not following Jesus Christ and you die, you go to a place called um, Hades. And that's a waiting place for the great throne judgment. So you want to make sure you're in the right place. You want to make sure that you go to be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18 But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So remember as we're watching this, let the scriptures teach you, not me. I'm just trying to get an understanding of what the scripture says and share it with you. But let the scriptures speak for themselves into your heart. For this we know, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. 
Therefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, I tried to trick the Lord one day. I wanted to know if I would still be alive when Jesus came back. Like, I don't really kind of want to die. I want Jesus come, wow, the sky's opening up, and I'm gone. So I said to him, I said, Lord, um, when you come, will you take me with you? Now, if he had said, no, you'll be dead, well, then I would have been real disappointed. But you know what he said to me? And I heard him say this. He said, if you love me. Now, that's a salutary word. Because if you've had a salvation experience and then you've gone off into the world and done your own thing and the Lord comes, I don't think you're going to be picked up by him. He said to me, if you love me. Something to think about, eh? Now in the book of Revelation, the scriptures talk about two resurrections. The first resurrection will be those who will live and reign with Christ for a thousand years here on earth. And then there is a new heaven and earth that the Bible teaches. They'll be priests of God and of Christ. The rest of the dead, the Bible says, did not live again until the thousand years were finished. So now I'm going to talk about the judgments of God. And the scripture makes it clear that we live only once on this earth. There is no such thing as reincarnation. This is a doctrine of Hinduism who believe in 7,000 gods which are just demons, of course, and it's a load of hogwash. Thus we've got from Scripture, number six, and as it is appointed for man to die once, but after this the judgment. So just as the New Testament confirms the sovereignty of, of God as our judge, again, the New Testament also confirms the mercy of God. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the will of God is that we shall all be saved and not face the great white throne judgment, which I'm going to talk about later. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if you've got loved ones who don't know the Lord, if they die, they're not going to go to a very good place. But the Lord is long-suffering towards them. He will try to reach them through you or through someone else right up until the, the day they take their last breath. And even when they take their last breath, I believe some people call out to Jesus, God, I haven't followed you, but I believe that you're there. Help me. And I believe the Lord just takes them to be with him. Because that's the sort of God that we serve. There'll be some people that say blow you, I'm not going to serve you. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to go where they're going. So Jesus is the judge of the world. The Jesus we serve and love, he's also the judge of the world. So although God is judge of all the earth, he has committed his judgment to the Son. The scripture says, for the, the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. That all should honour the Son just as they honour the Father. He who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. So if you're a Muslim and you don't honour Jesus, then Allah can't be God. He who does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. So if you're a Muslim and you believe in Allah, you're believing in a demonic being. You're worshipping a demonic being. 
Because Allah can't be God the Father. Because you can only come to God the Father through Jesus Christ. Now Daniel had a vision. God gave Daniel a vision of the day of judgment. So the day of judgment that's, that's, that, that's coming up at the end times was, was shown to us in Daniel's vision. The prophets in the Old Testament all had clear understanding that there would be such a day and Daniel was given a tremendous vision of it, this experience. One of my favourite books in the Bible is Daniel because it talks about the end times and I love the end times. My father was an end times preacher. <clears throat> he thought the Lord would have come by now but he's gone to meet the Lord instead. In the scriptures it says, I watched till thrones were put in place. This is the vision that he had. And the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the, and, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. You know, there is judgment for the Christian. But the judgment for the Christian is a great judgment. It's a good judgment. I want to tell you that there are some things that I don't believe in. I don't believe that many of the disasters that happen to the world are God's judgment. I believe that they are, if anything, they're, they're Satan to trying to, to destroy people. Or they are the climate um, storms that, that happen because we are under grace when Jesus Christ came he ushered in a period of grace that we can come to him at any time for salvation and one day the Lord is going to come and yes there will be judgment for the Christian and there will be judgment for the world at the end but not until then now I've got a friend, a dear friend in Haifa Israel who says every time someone, some nation speaks against Israel, then God judges them. And so Japan spoke something in government against Israel, and a little bit later the tsunami hit. So he said, there, you know, cause and effect. I don't believe it. I don't believe God is, our God, is a God that would wipe up millions because some stupid politician said something about Israel. That is not God. God, God is not judging us on a day-to-day -day basis. One day he will judge us and we have to know which camp we are in. In John's Gospel, Jesus Christ offers a tremendous reassurance to the committed Christian. Listen to this carefully. He specifically points out that those who hear his word and believe in him shall have everlasting life and shall not come into judgment. Praise God for that. Jeebus, if I was judged for all my sins, I'd just, I'd burn up while I'm standing here. Thank God, thank God he, he rescues us. Most assuredly, I say to you, it says in John 5, 24, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come under judgment, but has passed from death unto life. Now take that into your spirit. If you love the Lord and you're seeking to serve him, you don't need to have fear for the future. Instead, you have an assurance that you're going to be with him. The word believe here means to put trust in and commit 
oneself to. If we truly place our trust in Jesus Christ and commit ourselves to him, listen to his word, and then we will obey him. If we obey him, then we are assured of eternal life. There is an if there. We'll come to that later. Corinthians says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, this body, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. Oh, fantastic. You know, when, I'm in, when I go to the judgment seat of Christ, where we're going to be judged for what we've done since we knew him. I think that the Lord will probably say, Ray, I'm not going to give you Hawaii to look after as a territory, as you've requested, because you didn't really get off your backside and serve me until you're much later in life. So I'm going to give you Waipu Cove instead. <laughs> some, some of you might get some dingy old beach on the west coast. <laughs> The judgment seat of Christ. What is that all about? Well, the word of God makes it clear that we shall all, all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And using the word judgment seat, Paul uses the Greek word bema, B-E-M-A. This is a raised platform. If we have truly followed the Lord and obeyed him, we have nothing to fear. Every one of us, however, shall give an account of himself to God. Look what it says in Romans 14. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you know contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each one of us shall give an account of himself to God. So what he's saying is if we've got some hatred towards our brother or our sister or our auntie or an uncle, he says, hey, you better deal with that. Because one day I'm going to deal with you and I'm going to be talking to you about that. Now we might still be saved, thank God, and we're into the kingdom, but we have to give an account for ourselves. So think about that. Peter warns us. He, he also reinforces this fact. He says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God and it begins with us first. What will we be what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, like some of us, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Paul also refers to the judgment seat of Christ in the second letter of Corinthians. Therefore, we made it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Thank you, Craig. You shall be rewarded in heaven for that. Take note, Lord. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So remember, it's not me talking to you about going to the judgment seat of Christ. It's the Holy Spirit's talking to you about it in his scriptures. Hear what the scripture is saying. That each one of you may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are, we are well known to God and also trust and I also trust are well known in your consciences. 
And there's a judgment, you know, the judgment is according to obedience. You know, there'll be many people who came to be, claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, but whom he will disown on the last day. Now that means they never got to the beamer seat of Christ's judgment. They didn't get to it at all. They don't get to the judgment till after the 1,000 years. Look what it says in Matthew. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So if you're a, a preacher of God, going out and preaching the gospel and what have you, but you're committing adultery on the side every now and then, and you're practicing it when the Lord comes, I don't believe you go to be with them. And at the judgment day, they'll say, oh, but Lord, Lord, look at all the people that I saved and what have you. And he said, but I never knew you. As Jesus said, it is the person who does the will of his Father in heaven. And the will of the Father is, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Now that's not the law. We're not obeying the law. We're obeying what Jesus has told us to do. You know, there is holiness needed in our lives. Now for some, some of those who are excluded from the kingdom of God, it's set out in Galatians 5. And I'm just going to let the scripture say what it says. And you may know people and people in your family and what have you that are in this situation. You need to pray for them. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry. Is there someone in your life that's more important than Jesus is? Is your business, is your work more important than Jesus is? Sorcery, that means enchantment with drugs, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, this is Paul speaking, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now we've all done those things, but are we still doing them? If we're still doing them, hiccup. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Is that what's evident in our lives? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Do you not know, it says, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 15, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying this. The Holy Spirit is saying this. And such were some of you, such were some of me. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the the Spirit of God. So if we used to practice any of those things and we've come to Jesus, he has washed all that away. Ephesians says, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. I've got a son at the moment who's been mentored by a so-called Christian who's teaching him that it's okay if you want to take drugs. It's okay if you sin because one day everyone will bow before God and God will take us all to be with him. Wrong. Wrong, son. But the Lord will set him free. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, that's us, as we love the Lord, and now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what God is acceptable to the Lord. Now, if any of those things that you've been practicing that are sinful and and the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, revealing to you, do something about it. Get right before the Lord because he wants to take you into his kingdom. Because what you don't want is to be in the great white throne judgment. Let me explain the great white throne judgment. We have seen that the righteous dead will participate in the first resurrection at the time of the second coming of Christ. Do you understand that? The Bible then describes a second resurrection, which will take place at the end of 1,000 years of millennial reign on earth. Christ is going to reign on earth for 1,000 years. Whatever Jesus says he's going to do, he does it, doesn't he? Those who did not participate in the first resurrection are not raised up until the end of the 1,000 years. So Uncle Joe, who didn't love God, hated God and died, has gone to Hades, which is a holding place. He won't be resurrected until the end of the thousand years when, when millions of people who didn't follow God are resurrected. During this time, Satan will, will have been bound in the bottomless pit at the end of a thousand years, he'll be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are on the four corners of the earth. Jesus will have been ruling on the earth, but Satan will stir up the last final rebellion. This rebellion will be crushed by Jesus and the devil will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. That's what the Bible teaches. So how does it, how does it affect people? Well, 
In Revelation it says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. Ooh, won't it be good if our names are in the book of life? And the dead were judged according to the works by the things which were written in the books. In the book of life, I believe it'll say, Ray Curl, no judgment, loves Jesus. Don't we all want our name in that book of life? Bible says the sea gave up the dead who were in it and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one according to his works then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire this is called the second death and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire so let's summarize now after Christ has reigned for 1,000 years on this earth Satan will be released from his prison and he will go out to deceive the nations which in the four corners of the earth he will stir up for final rebellion this rebellion will be crushed by Jesus and the devil will be cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Then there will be the great white throne judgment. The remaining dead, small and great, will stand before God and the books will be opened. At the great white throne there will be those who died before the first resurrection and who were not resurrected at that time. There will also be another group of people who have lived and died on the earth during the 1,000 years of the millennial reign. Now I don't know during the millennial reign if there is an opportunity for the non-Christians to, ac to accept God. It, the Bible doesn't say so. But our God is a, is a gracious, loving God and I wouldn't be surprised if we were all zapped out of here tomorrow because the rapture happened and our aunties and uncles and what have you knew that we were gone. They would grab the Bibles out of our book and say, my God, my God, what has happened? And they might, they might repent. And, and, and the Lord will judge them according to their knowledge. We just have to trust God that he knows what he's doing. Everyone who comes before the great white throne judgment will have no excuse concerning their knowledge of God. Those who have not heard the gospel will be judged according to the light which they have walked. I mean, there'll be some blimmin' tribe in, in uh, the back of Papua New Guinea that never, ever, ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ but God will have reached out to them in some way or another and he will judge them on their understanding of his existence we can't judge be too hard <laughs> but he can those whose names are not written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire death and Hades will be cast into the lake of fire we do not understand all aspects of God's judgment, but it is clear that those who follow Jesus Christ in true obedience and carry out his commands are assured of eternal life. For everyone else, it is a matter of God's mercy and judgment. At the very end of time, all things will be made subject to Jesus. Then he himself will be made subject to God who put all things under him. Everything in heaven and earth will then be gathered, gathered together one in Christ. So apparently after the thousand years, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. We don't know much about it. The Bible doesn't say. But I do know that the Lord said that he's, he, he's got a mansion for me. Deliver. Yeah, probably. 
you know, God loves us and he, and, and he loves us until we take our last breath. You know, there will, there will be people who are walking to the edge of the cliff and they've got people following them saying, hey, I want to teach you, tell you about Jesus. Hey, you need to repent of your sin. And they'll, they'll go and they'll step off, about to step off the, that cliff. And I believe even at that point in time, someone else will reach out in their deathbed. Someone I know was worried about what to say to their relative that was dying recently. And I said, say this to them. Hey, if the doctors stuff up and you, you died, where would you go? Would you like to know that you could be with Jesus? And if they say yes, lead them to the Lord. Jan and I did that with a dying man three or four months ago. He was a master Freemason. And he went into a coma and they didn't think he was going to come out. So Jan and I prayed that he would come out and we would get to lead him to the Lord. So we hopped in the car and as we were driving down that morning, we got a phone call to say that he'd come out of the coma and that he was alert, but he wasn't accepting visitors. So we went into the hospital and Jan said, oh, this is Mr. Curl, he's the minister of the word and he's come to see so-and-so. And so they opened the doors and we got in and, he, and we said, I said exactly that to him. I said, hey, we could pray for you and you could be healed, but then in a year's time you could get sick again and you could die. He said, yeah. And I said, where would you go? And he wasn't really very sure because Masons teach that you, you climb a ladder. And I said, well, that's not what the Bible teaches. You can only go to be with the Lord if you ask him into your heart. Would you like to accept Jesus into your heart? And he said, yes. So we led him in a prayer. And then, of course, we kept on going. We got him to renounce Freemasonry, break the curse of his family. Wow, we went down last week or before, I forget when it was, and we met him, and he's going on for the Lord. He's told his wife, and he's, in his, he's 75, he's told his wife that he's born again. He accepted the Bible we gave him. He said, I'm going to read all that through. And I had a word for him as I was walk, walking up down the, down the pathway to the hospital. And that word was, if so-and-so presses into me, I will give him another five years. So we shared that word with him. So I'm going to end really short because Jan and I have to get in the car and pick up someone at Kaiwaka and we're heading down to uh, Auckland for the 90th birthday of Bill Sabritsky. Praise God. And so I'm just going to pray now and you just might want to follow me in this prayer. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. 